Eurovision. Welcome to Eurovision, a podcast with a unique Irish perspective on the Eurovision Song Contest. 12 points. Ireland. Oh, Tina August Fulcher Arash to the Airvision podcast. Today you are tuning in for a really, really big, explosive episode. Connor and I are joined once again by the Irish head of delegation in Eurovision and an RTE executive producer and director. Michael Keeley. Yes, he is back. Guess who's back? <laughs> back, <laughs> back again. again. <laughs> yeah, this is a big episode. It was a really interesting and insightful one to record. We do want to thank Michael again. We do thank him later on. We just want to thank him again for, you know, being generous with his time and his energy and for making the effort to meet with us and yeah talk through this episode we also would really like to thank dan and all of the team at the podcast studios in dublin city center for helping us to make the recording of this episode possible and we do also really want to thank anyone who has supported us on buy me a coffee because your contributions and your support actually enabled us to uh, make use of that studio for these kinds of important episodes we had one with neve kavanagh in there recently and we've now had a follow-up one with Michael Keeley so thank you again to everyone for supporting us on Buy Me A Coffee. Connor, a lot coming up right? It's a big episode and it's last year probably one of our most popular episodes Um, a lot of people discovered us through that episode as well so it'd be interesting now to see a year on, nearly a year on, the follow-up and see what's changed and what's coming up this year and yeah, it's. I'm looking forward to it. I think it would be good. Um, also, as well, worth noting, if you want to watch the interview, um, you can head over to our YouTube channel, Airvision Podcast, and watch it over there as well, if you wish. Can uh, we also just note, I, and I know you mentioned there, Connor, about last year's episode, and I think a lot of us found it very interesting and insightful. Uh, we would really recommend that you go back and listen to that episode if you haven't heard it yet, because... It's kind of like a good prequel to today's episode. You yes. might, if you haven't heard our last one, you might say, why didn't they ask him this? And why didn't they ask him that? There's a high chance we probably asked him last December yeah. when we released that episode. So do go back and listen to that one if you haven't yet and you're interested. This is a good follow-up. We dig a good bit deeper, I think, in today's episode. Definitely. And a lot more kind of the year in in review kind of taking it from Eurosong where we last kind of spoke to him really where we left things off and carrying on through 
to Eurovision to May and now the post-Eurovision season and what's going on behind the scenes in the lead-up to the 2024 season and beyond. Um, but yeah, it's really, really interesting. But definitely, like Lou said, head back and listen to our previous episode if you want to kind of hear the introductory mm-hmm. <laughs> bit to this. The starter pack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just to get your taste buds flowing and to get your ears interested in what is to come here is a small taster of some of the things to be expected in today's episode storm at the time about the comments made on rt radio one from the lead singer john lyden when he was asked does he watch eurovision he said no never it's absolutely awful the songs the whole thing of it is disgusting really to me i'm a songwriter i perform live and these shows they just come off dreadfully phony to me his, so his whole thing is his whole persona is based on a kind of contrariness mm. would Connolly have done better possibly are we any closer I'm not sure I thought we were I thought we were closer until you know shit happened over the summer another non-qualification 12th in the semi-final 10 points um one qualification in, in 10 years. You make it sound very bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael, would say it, it is, is very bad. bad. <laughs> it is bad. And that is all to come in the next hour and 10 minutes. Do it take is, some breathers, guys. Yeah, it is pretty intense. Take some breaks. <laughs> so get yourself a nice cup of tea, nice cup of coffee, maybe something stronger on. if you need it. <laughs> Relax, sit down and I guess enjoy. Right, everyone, we are back in the podcast studios here in Dublin City Centre. We are joined by the boss himself, (laughs) Michael Keeley, executive producer and, of course, the Irish head of delegation for Ireland at Eurovision. Michael, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to speak with you again. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me back. The boss makes me sound a bit like it's kind of a mafia term, you know what I mean? It has that... Those sort of Sicilian connotations, you know. Oh God, no, no, not at all. But you have been in charge. I'm, um, I'm a facilitator. I'm not a boss, really. <laughs> <don't I? laughs> well, last year we had you on the podcast and um, I think a lot of fans thought that interview was very insightful, very honest as well. A great insight into the kind of inner workings of Eurovision within RTE. So um, we appreciate your honesty back then as well. Um, and yeah, we're kind of going to kick it off from where we left off, really. Eurosong 2023 and forge away to to where we are today um really what were your thoughts on last year's competition and the six acts that we we had um seems like a long time ago now to be <laughs> honest and a lot has happened in the meantime um not just you know a eurovision um in liverpool but lots of other stuff has been going on in my own place of employment and various different things so it it feels like a long time ago it feels like a couple of years ago actually to be perfectly honest but um, casting my mind back, I thought, do you know what? I thought we had a good mix of songs, despite what some people might have thought, you know, and everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, um, that it was a tough choice. You know, I thought there was any number of, of those six could have gone to Liverpool and could have done all right for us. You know, I mean, in the end, at the end of the the day it was wild youth as you know and um well we all know what happened after that so um you know look it's moot but i mean would Connolly have done better possibly we'll never know you know but i would be hopeful that she would certainly have a go again at some point in the future because i thought one of the great things about a euro song like like that was that it discovered well you know not that 
anybody discovers Connolly. But, you know, she decided to enter um, the competition and she decided to to give it a go. And it brought her to... uh, the attention of um, a lot of people, and I um, and I, that can only be a good thing, you know. Mm. And she was charting and everything. Like, yeah, multiple songs were. Yeah, within yeah. the iTunes charts and. Yeah, yeah. So, like, so the fact that it kind of um, throws up um, talent like hers to a national, you know, audience, I think is really good, or to an international audience as well, you know, because as you know, this our national final reaches people, you know, much further than just. The four corners of this island. Mm. Definitely. And um, you, you talk about Connolly, you talk about Wild Youth. Of course, when we spoke to you last year, you mentioned that there was two fast-tracked um, acts going through. One of them was Wild Youth, and we know their story. We've heard about it um, before. But the other one, we're guessing, was Public Image Limited. John yeah. Lydon. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can you talk us through that process and how that came to, to fruition? Well, um do you know what it actually is, it, it goes back a few years because somebody suggested it to me about four or five years ago I think maybe even longer maybe six or seven years ago and um, it was a guy in Galway who had written a song for Wild Youth uh, or sorry for Public Image Limited and um, rang me up and said look if I got these people interested would you be interested and I thought well there's no way this band would be interested anyway and at the time I thought the song wasn't that good to be perfectly honest and um, so that was that that's where we left it back then and then this year he rang me up again and said look I've got a you know I've been talking to them again and they have their own song and they would like to give it a go and what would you think? And I said, look, well, it all depends on the song and it all depends on lots of different things because I'm not sure public image with their normal sort of stuff would have worked particularly well. So um, so anyway, so they approached me and they said, look, yeah, they would be interested in taking part and they would be interested in coming all the way from Los Angeles, which is where um, John Lydon lives. And um, But they had a kind of a different song and they had the, a song with a very particular message and um, and I thought that that was what really kind of caught my attention and I said well you know if they if they're serious about it we will put them straight into the Eurosong final you know because look at the end of the day they're the guy is a as uh, a is a is a world icon you know um, whether you like it or not or whether you like the music or not um, the Sex Pistols were a global phenomenon mm. and he he was prepared to come over he's you know his parents were Irish he had a genuine connection with this country and and I and I felt that he was sincere about having a go at it you know I thought if he's just here to kind of subvert the competition or to take the piss or whatever like you know there's, there would be no point because he's just taken up a place but um, but to me he seemed sincere and the message from the song was very deeply felt I think and um, despite what you thought of it, and I know you loved it, um, Louise, didn't you? And I, I think uh, it was time, but <laughs> not, not just me. <laughs> but but they were the reasons why I said, look, this is worth putting him into the Eurosong final. And also, do you know what? There's an element of um, wanting to make a stir as well. And I knew by putting him into the Eurosong final, we would get a lot of attention for the final. Um, I I didn't think the song was ever going to win I thought it might do you know I thought it might do well but I didn't think it was ever going to win um, the final necessarily because I just don't think there are enough public image fans in you know who are going to you know 
um, pick up the phone and vote for it. So I thought if it was going to win, it was going to do so on its own merit. It was going to kind of reach across the fandom and across kind of generations and stuff. So, I mean, I thought it was well worth doing. And do you know what? He he came over and he was, um, despite his fearsome reputation um, from the past, he was actually he was actually a lovely guy to deal with and uh, was very grateful for the opportunity. And even when he didn't get through, um, was still very appreciative of everything that we did and was very appreciative of the support that he got while he was here. And, you know, the opportunity, obviously, to talk about his wife, Nora, who's since died, unfortunately, um, and also to raise the awareness about Alzheimer's, which was one of the key things that he wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned there absolutely a, a great message behind the song. And I think there was a lot of opinions about the song. And really, at the end of the day, not everybody feels the same way about music. So it's sort of irrelevant in a sense to talk about the, the quality of the song or what others perceive the quality of the song to be. people talking about the quality no. of the song. No. And a lot of people of the like the song too. Yeah, and like that, that's, that's fair enough. I, I'm really interested in, you, you know, there was a, a big storm at the time about the comments made on RT Radio 1 from the lead singer John Lydon when he was asked, does he watch Eurovision? He said, no, never. It's absolutely awful. The songs, the whole thing of it is disgusting really to me. I'm a songwriter, I perform live and these shows, they just come off dreadfully phony to me. So I suppose as someone who's, you know, curating the brand of Eurovision within RTE and, you know, kind of encouraging people to approach it, how how did that fare for you? Was that a difficulty in terms of organising Eurosong or did it create a nice kind of media buzz around it? No, I mean, I would prefer to him to say, I love the competition. I've always, you know, enjoyed watching it or whatever. But look, his his whole thing is, his whole persona is based on a kind of contrariness. Mm. And his whole um, persona is based on this kind of, um, you know, um, anti-establishment kind of view of um, the world and, and uh, of, uh, you know, what he does and all that kind of stuff. I thought he says things just for the sake of creating controversy controversy mm. and I think that's exactly what he was doing I don't think he because afterwards he told me he says you know he loved watching Johnny Logan win he said if you've had Johnny Logan now it's hopefully it's going to be John Lydon he said you know he's, he, he, he knew people who like he knew the history of the competition mm. he knew the previous winners who had taken part now obviously not so much recently I mean he was delving into his into his past you know but mm. um, he certainly was very aware of the competition and all that kind of stuff you know so I think that was really coming from a place of mischief as opposed to deeply felt you know contempt for the competition and loathing for it yeah. and everything about it because otherwise why would he be there you know Yeah 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 absolutely and in terms then of course of that particular act being fast tracked we'll say as an established act to the final and it did ultimately not matter in that case because they weren't near contention for winning Eurosong. But it did come down to Connolly and Wild Youth really in those final votes. And there was a lot of discussion online about is it fair for artists who are new to the scene to go up against a band with a huge following? Because I know a big thing we saw was, you know, people reporting that there was Wild Youth fans voting 200, mm -hmm. 300 times. And was that skewing the vote? And if again we had a national selection, do you think there should be some kind of voting limit for the public? Um, 
Well, I, I don't know is the answer to that. Um, but I will say, look, that's life. Do you know what I mean? Like life yeah. is competition and the music industry is um, is a competition. You know, it's a competitive business. And, um, you know, I'm not. you can't ban acts because they're well known no, and they might have not. a bigger following than other acts that you end up in a, in a national final. So it's always going to, there's always going to be a certain amount of a disparity between, you know, more established acts and acts who are, brand new on the scene. Um, so, Do you not think they have that extra advantage though in certain, in, in all areas because in a sense the international, or not the international vote, the public vote, more of the public know them to start with but then even when you consider the Irish jury, like if there's radio DJs or music producers, they may have come across them in the past. Do you know what I mean? Do you are think you saying it, our juries are biased? No, <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I do think you have to consider the fact that if an act is already in somebody's head, they they kind of there's a familiarity and it means you're more likely. But let's if you if you extrapolate from that to the Eurovision itself, then I mean that's just a bigger version of that. Yeah. You know? But so then, you can say, well it's unfair now that people have got much higher profiles in Eurovision than our act. You know, so should they be with the handicapped more in some way? Wa- voting though, like in Ireland I think But as well with Ireland, you like we spoke about last year, there is a sense of a GAA community vote when with these people as well and on top of while Jute being known on the radio stations of course their connections as well we saw the likes of Lewis Capaldi tweeting on Instagram to vote in the UK so um, now you're starting to sound like um, Billy McGuinness giving out about Niall Horan <laughs> I'm not going to call Michael an odious little man now so he can step back from that Niall Horan was tweeting <laughs> we, can, we can make this very short interview if that's the case you know? um, no I, I'm, I get the point I get the point but at the same time we had two juries and a public vote and one yeah. of the reasons I brought in the international jury was to kind of mitigate against mm. that parish vote which you talk about mm-hmm. and it is a real issue because if you just have a public vote you know Dustin. somebody yeah well Dustin's a classic example um, people can get behind an act and um, you know make it win despite the fact that it's not necessarily the mm. the best act that we could send to your vision, um, you know, and uh, the person who came second to Dustin will tell you that as well. Like, yeah. you know, that it was kind of, you know, particularly hard. It pops into our heads, I suppose, and from conversations with others, because in your vision, you have a maximum of 20 votes you can cast in the televote. And then in other national selections, there's variations depending it's on like the country. It's like a five limit on an app or anything or like that. Whatever. It's, to be honest, it's, it's a wider thing than me. I don't know if I would be able to insist that there was a cap on the amount of votes that people I don't think there is on Dance with the Stars. I don't right. think there is on, you know, whatever other, you know, the late late show competition or whatever. You know, there isn't a mm. limit on the amount um you can enter that I'm aware of. Um but yeah, I mean look, I'll it's I'll make a note of it. I have a notebook <laughs> here. I'll Stick write down, down the suggestions and yeah, I'll I'll certainly uh, consider that for next next year <laughs> well moving on to Eurovision itself of course Wild Youth went and, and won Eurosong and represented us in Liverpool another non-qualification 12th in the semi-final 10 points um, one qualification in, in 10 years thoughts you make it sound very bad <laughs> <laughs> well Michael, would say it, it is, is very bad, bad. <laughs> it is bad um, yeah look I'm not going to disagree with that of course uh, yeah but at the same look you know I, I tell people, look, I, you know, we select the songs, The so- four out of those six songs, two of them are fast tracked, as you mentioned. The, the other four, 
were sent out to a listening panel of about 40 people. And they came back, you know, and I'm not, not 40 randomers. They were fans, you know, they were um, people in the music business. They were uh, people who work in radio and television and all that kind of stuff. A very broad spectrum of people. And they came back with their top tens. And what I did was I collated all those top tens. I didn't even vote myself in it. And the, the top four drew a line under the top four and I said, these are the four that are going to be in the national final. So that's how we selected the songs. Um, I didn't write the songs. I didn't sing the songs. I didn't go out and... Who would you have voted for if you could vote? Uh, that wouldn't be fair for me to say that. <laughs> um, to <laughs> because uh, they are all winners in my eyes. Diplomatic <laughs> they, I, answer. I, 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 could, I couldn't say. Look... The result is the result yeah, and that's what we, we went to um, Liverpool with. And, you know, look, I and I, I feel like a broken record sometimes every year because I say, look, we gave it our all. The guys did their best, you know, and it is true every year. And, um, you know, you know, the kind of the effort that goes into, you know, making an act like that um, happen are, mm. are, you know, they were all obviously they're already an established act in their own right. But to take their thing and to translate it to a Eurovision stage um, takes a lot of work and uh, a lot of effort and a lot of time. And it is, you know, it is, <clears throat> um, you know, terribly disappointing when they don't progress to the next um, to the next level, you know. And, you know, look, th- there are reasons, you know, over the years I could say, look, we yes, in certain we, sh- we could have had a better song in certain ca- you know cases. Mm. We could have had a better vocalist in certain cases. Absolutely. We could have had you know, a better staging um, of our of our act. All of those things are are, are true, and um, you know. But every year, it's like it's it's not my vision. Like I don't tell people what to do. I don't. I didn't tell Wild Youth what to do. All I can do is say to them, "Look, this is my experience. This is my advice. This is what I think you know is going to give you the best shot at uh, qualification and doing well." And after that, I mean, I've I've got to accept they're the people standing up on stage. They're the people going out there and putting themselves out there. I can't insist they do. I can't insist they wear something. I can't insist they sing in a certain way. I can't insist that they, you know, swing from whatever a trapeze when they don't want to. You know, it's, it's I have to just go with them, trust their own, um, you know, instincts for what, you know, for how they they see themselves as. I just I give them the benefit of my advice and. Uh, you know, obviously I do as the head of delegation and, you know, the custodian of, you know, RTEs, the funds that RTE trust me with and their public funds, that we have to spend them correctly and we have to spend them accountably and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so that's that's essentially my 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 job. I mean, I, like, you know, it, it might be better and, you know, we've done it in the, and it might be easier if I was to get some unknown artist and say, right, this is the outfit you're wearing this is, you know, the song you're singing. This is the stage you're going to stand on. And if you don't like it, I'll get someone else. You know, but I, I wouldn't do that. You know? Yep, mm. no. Um, you know, one qualification in 10 years. There's a stat out there. We're ranked 36th out of 39 countries, only above Latvia, North Macedonia and Bosnia. And Bosnia only competed in 2016. So, well, what do you, you know, do? there's any way of looking at statistics, as you know, right? Well, when you so. put it on the paper, it is, you know, we haven't qualified. We're, we're like we're in the bottom four of countries performing the last 10 years. 
I know there's so much behind the scenes. Yeah, you know, but that, if you go 12 years, on. you've got two other qualifications in there. Or if you go 15 years, you might get more qualifications, you know. So but like, it's still not they're, they're, fantastic uh, either. Look, I'm not justifying it. Of yeah. course, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, you know, I'm saying that with kind of tongue in, tongue in cheek. Yeah, of course. It's not a great, it's not a great record. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, and all I can do is, you know, work with the songs that we get work with the acts to put themselves forward, try and go around and convince people who wouldn't normally think of getting involved to in trying to get involved. And after that, then we try and do our best with the act to make it actually, you know, um, compete competitive. I suppose it's worth saying as well, just for any new listeners who didn't hear our chat with you last year, Michael, that that episode is quite informative where we kind of dug deeper on your team, well, really, uh, the, the Lone Ranger <laughs> team you have going on and um, sort of the, the background in RTE and we asked you about what you do when you return in May and so on. So there's a lot more detail within that episode if anybody is wondering. Um, but moving on from that, and I suppose I was just thinking there as you were talking and about the stats and how that could change when you move the parameters of the year. I think for a lot of particularly younger fans will say, because, you know, in their recent memory for most of their lifetime, particularly we'll say teenagers, they, they've never seen a qualification or they've seen one qualification. And, you know, the good old days is something in the past. Um, there was There's an interesting account on Instagram, Ireland's Eurosong Future. I don't know if you've seen it going around. Um, Possibly. It's a, a, a chap called uh, Ryan and he's doing a lot of work kind of collating data and thoughts from fans and um, kind of rallying interest in, in Ireland's future, I suppose, in Eurovision. And he took a poll looking into the insight into the feeling of Eurovision fans. So 13% of fans believe RT can deliver Eurovision success. Nine in 10 believe the Late Late Show is unsuited to Eurosong. And 5% are proud of Ireland's national selection compared to other countries. So obviously this is all people's opinions and their responses. But is... That's something you're you're feeling from people's response anyway. Listen, when you're I, I've, I've been saying it. I, funny enough, I was I saw something recently. Uh, I was it came up on my YouTube thing, which was looking at Eurovision stuff. That where I'd been speaking to somebody. I think it was Lisbon, which is what twenty eighteen, right? And I said I was saying then in that interview, I wish we could do a standalone national final, right? So here we are, five going on six years later. And, you know, are we any closer? I'm not sure. I thought we were. I thought we were closer until, you know, shit happened over the summer. And unfortunately, that's coloured everything going on in our And in fairness, now, you, you know? did say it to us last year yeah. that there was a potential chance for it in 2024. But as you said, you know, the summer months has revealed a lot going on within RTE. Well, and, it... Um, it unfortunately has, you know, like, you know, as they say in politics, events happen and mm. you can't foresee them and you've just got to roll with them and unfortunately events like that has pulled the rug under the financial stability of the organisation so I thought has that, has that impacted your vision for next year do you think in RT? At the moment no because um, the budget as far as I know like look ask me again in three months yeah. time I've no idea I mean at, at the moment we've entered we're taking part um, we're we're planning to have a national final of some sort. We'll go into the Lake Late Show now in a minute. But um, but after that, yeah, I mean, like, I, who knows? You know, who knows? Mm. I don't know. I've, I'm hopeful that, funnily enough, 
that out of the crisis that engulfed the station in the last two or three months, that there will be a genuine willingness on behalf of politicians to finally put the organisation on a proper and sound financial um, footing. But it doesn't seem to have happened yet. And um, but it but it might like it has to. Otherwise, the, the thing is just going to carry on indefinitely as a, a basket case organisation that stumbles from financial crisis to financial crisis. You know, that's unfortunate. So you're kind reality. of trying to steer it now through with sort of a storm going on around you in a sense. Well, I mean, let's just say there's there's not um, a lot of surplus funds around yeah. to, or, you know, for discretionary spending. In fact, I think Kevin Backer said there is no discretionary mm. spending allowed anymore, you know. Mm. So that in, in so the priorities in RT are A, to keep the lights on, B, to keep news and current affairs on the, you know, on the go. Mm. Um, entertainment obviously is important, you know, drama is important, lots of things are important. But when there's less finances floating around, you know, in entertainment, it's there's priorities are like the late late show and um, you know, big autumn like our you know, January winter series like Dancing with the Stars and things like that. And kind of one off events tend to get the axe because they're 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 not very I suppose they're not particularly seen as particularly cost effective, put it that way, you know. Want to support us? You can support us and contribute to us on Buy Me A Coffee. Just go into our link tree on any of our socials to find out more. There is, um, I, like I've noticed myself, there seems to be every year a lot of new shows emerging, particularly game shows I've noticed over the last year. Ireland's Smartest, we have the money shot on recently. Um, in my opinion, I don't feel like they're, they're longevity projects. A lot of the time they're cancelled after one season. Yeah, but you get eight or ten episodes out of them, you know, so they, they block record them during the mm-hmm. summer and they, they're very um, effective use of, of studio time and they, they're primetime slots, like the one, the, the money list, which is going out on Sundays at the money moment, is. Is, uh, is eight or ten series, or, you know, eight or ten programmes in, in the series. Um, and uh, and also, uh, so, so it's, it's seen as a, as a, as a more... Um, higher a higher priority project than a one-off show, which you know costs a lot of money and you know from an advertising point of view doesn't really uh, generate an awful lot of it doesn't cover its own you know costs. But then when you're maybe in an isolated way of looking at, but when you're looking at a franchise like Eurovision, you know, is there not that added kind of extra element to it when it's doing these one-off? specials you know like the Rose of Trilly, I know you two episodes now but you know those kind of one-off special events where you build a brand within a brand within the country yeah I mean look these are all arguments I've been I'm making and, and and the one thing about the Eurovision um and you know funny enough, to a certain extent about the Rose of Trilly, there's a there's a huge youth audience there that we generally don't reach on RT1 television and uh, so it's worthwhile doing um, something that engages that audience Mm. because, you know, if we just keep appealing to people who are over 65 or 70, whatever, you know, we're not going to be around in 10 years or 20 years, whatever. So, um, so yes, the audience is um, one, I think that we should be certainly paying more attention to and spending more money on. When there is more money, these things tend to move up the ladder a bit. You know, when there's no money, they don't because I said they're one-off kind of projects. The Rosa Tree is, is slightly different in that it's been going for like 70 years and we've been covering it for 
60 of those 70 years, whatever. So, um, so nobody, 60 plus. <laughs> nobody wants to cancel the Rosa Tralee, trust me. <laughs> nobody wants to cancel your vision. <laughs> there's a lot of people in Kerry that might get very angry if you decided not to do the Rosa Tralee. Well, there, there was never, was there ever any chance of us withdrawing from Eurovision in 2024, do you think? Um, I, I don't, I haven't heard talk of it and uh, I don't think there is, to be perfectly honest. I think we only ever withdrew once, actually, which was in sometime in the 80s, mm. um, obviously before my time in RT, but, um, and I can't remember the reason, I presume it was financial. I think it was a strike or something to do with RT or something okay, like that. Well, um, there you go. Well, yeah. you can't rule out a strike in 2024. <laughs> so, you know, but I wouldn't think that... It's on the cards, to be honest. No. You talked about politicians there and um, more specifically, we know the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, is a very big Eurovision fan. We've um, met him out and chatted to him yeah. a few times. <laughs> yeah. um, he was in Liverpool, actually. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was in yeah. Turin as well. And um, he was speaking on to Tonight Show after we um, didn't qualify and he was talk- calling for a national song contest. There was an interesting Irish Times article that um, was published, I don't know if you saw it, where it was revealed that he met with um, Orti board members and the new director general and it was mentioned briefly but GAA, GAA coverage was mentioned and also Eurovision when it comes to RT um, what are your thoughts on that? Listen if Leo's a fan and he can get us the money for a proper national final I'm all for it There, it, he doesn't seem to have um, been too quick to uh, cough up the finances required to keep RT on an even keel at the moment so you know I don't know. I think he said also that it's not his place to tell RT what to True, do. True, he did say that, that as well. So, or how to spend the money. But, um, but look, I know Kevin is a fa- Kevin Backhurst is a fan of Eurovision as well, and I spoke to him um, before the kind of crisis kicked off in uh, at the beginning of June, and you know, I I spoke to him about the the. Um, well certainly my wish to have a national final and that kind of stuff and he was very agreeable to it and he said he's a big fan of it and I think he, it was in his long term plans uh, or certainly it was, it was one of his um, things he said that we should be doing in the future so that's all very encouraging But not new <laughs> No Unfortunately I, Well yeah but again see it's down to the priorities then mm-hmm. you know in, in an organisation as, as wide and diverse as RTE with a lot of um a lot of things a lot of you know there's a lot of genres there and a lot of things that need to be kept going and you know I I won't go through the arguments again but um, other things tend to take priorities like you know a priority over things than a a one-off national final which costs a lot of money to stage you know and you only get one night out of it if you can you know drag it out over six or eight weeks it becomes more cost effective you know but uh, so that was certainly in my pitch that we would have a national final that would last over a number of weeks, that it wouldn't just be a one-off final, uh, that we would do something like other countries do. And one thing I know we're particularly interested in, and I know it's something you've spoken about in the past that you have sort of pushed or asked about. Uh, one of our Instagram followers, Kira, has asked, are there plans to improve RTE social media for ESE 24, like Dancing with the Stars, which has a podcast dedicated to it, etc.? Would you like to do a podcast? <laughs> You're a song podcast? Well, we're, well, we like, we're happy to to cover because that's what we're doing. Yeah. But well, well, I suppose we, we nearly see a gap that it's like there's all of this content that kind of 
isn't used and you're talking about youth audiences I wonder do others in RT kind of see the potential or realise the potential that, like that could be tapped into with all of this free content that youth audiences well, would love to see on TikTok absolutely. Instagram Look, I, I, all that yeah and um, the thing about a big organisation is that uh, there's departments for everything as you know right so there yeah. is a there is a, uh, a department that looks after our social media output Um they uh, like they took the view that we don't need a, a dedicated Eurovision social media, uh, you know, channel, whatever, Instagram, twi- Twitter or whatever, or X or whatever we call it. Um, and, you know, that's their prerogative because they're the people that are, are paid to look after that. So um, I can't go rogue and suddenly d- do my own one, you know. Um, uh, so I, I personally speaking, I think we should have a dedicated social media um, uh, channel or channels to um, to kind of uh, service the, the Eurovision fans and people who are interested and you know that would give sort of added information or you know value around the Eurosong that we're doing it's a matter of people power and you know all- resources and allocating people and all that kind of stuff you know so it's like uh, you know you said at the start you're looking at the team of the Eurovision team here yeah. like it's mm-hmm. just me so I, I do uh, at the, I just told you before we started I'm doing a Euro, uh, New Year's Eve show in two weeks time with an orchestra and a huge you know um, cast of uh, performers and participants and all that kind of stuff that's basically occupied my time since mm-hmm. the Rosa Tralee stopped you know which was at the end of August so I've in the meantime I've we've we've obviously opened the um the Eurosong uh, the, you know the entry for, entries for for Eurosong I haven't had a chance to listen to uh, any of those songs really to be perfectly honest and I mm. won't until this thing is over so that gives me November then to start organizing that I'm also doing there's a new, there's a live New Year's Eve show which I'm responsible for as well on New Year's Eve which is a, a concert in Dublin uh, castle so um, so that comes up as well on top of the other stuff I get asked to do you know so I'm, I'm also being asked to do some stuff course, to do with yeah. the toy show and different stuff like that so it's not as if I just get a, yeah. a clear run to think to about me, yeah. this and to plan it out and to say right this is what we need and this is what we need to do on that day and this is what we need to do that day it's you know in reality my time for looking at Eurosong starts uh, in, you know, January 1st, really, you know, and probably a little time, I might get a little time in December to, well, I'll have to get a time in December to organise the acts, you know, because I don't, we have to give them a decent amount of time as well, you know. So it is, yeah, it's, you know. And I imagine even if you didn't have all of that long list of other things that, you know, running social medias would, probably still wouldn't be the best easier time with meetings and such. I just find it curious that like maybe those teams or departments don't see like someone having a login and posting like a tweet a week or like something. Because then you look at, you know, when you come to the announcements, like we had no prior notice this year to the songs being released on the Ryan Tuberty show on the Monday. This year we've had one article on the RT website about submissions being open, nothing about extensions being, you know, the extension to the deadline. It's not for the want of asking. Let me put it that way, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, also, remember, this is our interest. You know what I mean? So it's not everybody's interest. Like in the same way that people might give out if there's not enough information on the social media channels about sport or about our rugby team or about, you know, the Dublin GA team or the Kerry GA team or whatever. So there, people have different interests. We're very wrapped up in this particular one. And, you know, it's great. And it's probably, you know, of all the interests, I think it's probably the best one. But... At the same time, it's not everybody's cup of tea 
either in RTE and they don't see the value necessarily that yeah. that we might or other people I might. suppose fans look to the BBC and the French broadcaster and see that they have the BBC with the budget of two billion I know. pounds well, a San year. Marino, the Luxembourg San Marino spends yeah. San Marino spends more money on Eurovision uh, than we do. Multiples of what we spend on Eurovision. But it doesn't cost money for RTE to set up a, a Eurovision account so I just don't know why Well I'm, I've, I've told be. you it's just that the people who are doing the I know it's not you are, I just, are stretched doing a lot of other things and I know. probably think see this is not a great you know yeah. it only happens once a year so why would but we then does it go it? back then to kind of going around in a circle of trying all these little things where there's big issues with Eurovision and, and the perception in the country but then getting the little things right when it comes to the, you know the publicity side of things those little things could make a huge difference of building the foundations to success uh, at Eurovision. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, my priority is to get, in a way, get the big thing right, which is get the right acts in our Eurosong and get the right act to qualify for the Eurovision because that's the big thing because that's the ultimate goal is that we get the right act to the to the Eurovision. Um, the stuff that happens around it after that is, you know, of varying degrees of importance in terms of its relevance to that particular project. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I know it services the fans and I know the fans are very keen to know about this, that and the other and all the rest of it. But my priority is getting the right act, making sure that that act is supported and, uh, you know, given everything that they need to go out and perform on a stage the size of the Eurovision. Um, whether somebody tweets about, you know, what, whatever, what outfit they're wearing or blah, blah, blah. It, it's it's probably not up there in terms of my, I say, my priority when I'm coming to trying to get somebody to to a big stage. Mm. I just feel it would be... If a, I had more no, people, I know. if I had more people, that would absolutely... Just say, imagine look, you though know, you had this base, like, and even say, like, extending the submissions, like, even for artists just to kind of have a base to go to. That's also what I'm thinking, even more so than fans, you know. It's, yeah. it's just now, an interesting topic of conversation. I will say this about that, right? I mean, this is a small country. I think any artist who knows uh, or is involved in the music business in any serious or meaningful way knows that this thing is going on, right? Mm. They know it happens every year. It's not a surprise to them, you know. I mean, there's very few, if you stop any artist in the street, proper artist, and ask them, like, do they know the Eurovision, you know, happens every year? Mm. They'll tell you they do. So it's, it's not, and all the music industry people know it when the deadline is because I've been talking to them, right? So um, it's not a case, I think, that there's a bunch of, you know, people out there or a huge amount of uninformed artists that just don't know and would get involved if they did know the deadline is next week, whatever. Because even if somebody comes to me a week after the deadline and they said, look, you know, I, 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 I didn't realise it was last Friday, whatever. You know, I'm flexible enough to say, mm. you know, okay, we'll accept the entry if mm. it is yeah, a genuine, enough. you know, if it's a genuine effort and if it's genuine. Good song as well. Yeah. Good song, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Big Axe there. Um, there was a tweet cup, uh, put out a few weeks ago, CMAT, um, I'm sure you know her. Mm. Um, she put out a tweet that interests a lot of fans. She said, I would love to do Eurovision, but to be honest right now, I don't like the way that Ireland structures, funds, controls the Eurosong competition and would absolutely need full c creative control. Not looking like any of that will happen anytime soon, but hopefully in the future. Look, I'm more than happy to have a chat with CMAT. Uh, I think she's uh, one of the most exciting artists I think we've produced in the last Why do you think she's saying that, though? Like, what, well, I don't know. You yeah. see, we'd have to get her in. See that empty mic there? <laughs> Why don't we get her in and have a chat with her? Because I don't know what she's talking about. Mm. about full, like, I don't know who she's been talking to. I mean, I don't know who, what act that I've been involved with in the last 10 years 
that I've exerted creative control over because I don't. I try and, you know, facilitate them to, you know, project themselves in the best possible way and the and the way that they want to project mm-hmm. themselves. So um so you can ask anybody in the last, you know, whatever ten years, have I, you know, taken their act and ruined it by making them do stuff that they didn't want to do. I I think it'll be hard pressed to find somebody who'll say that. Speaking of that so I don't know. So I don't know what she's talking. About. Like you know. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah. be delighted to talk to her. I think she's. You know, she would say she's a great artist and and she would be she great is. at Eurovision. But I don't know where she's coming from. Mm-hmm. On that, to be honest. But speaking of that, ours in the last ten years and tweets and that, I was very confused, and I don't know if you were as well, when Ryan O'Shaughnessy tweeted early in the year something about exploding cake. Yeah, I don't know what he was talking about as well. And in fact, I rang him and I spoke to him after that and I said, what were you talking about? You know, and, um, excuse me. And, um, In fairness, you did say it wasn't your idea, it was a creative director, but it's still, you know. At the time, at the time, uh, there was a creative director. Ryan wanted to be the creative director of his own thing, but uh, but I'd suggested maybe he li- might like to work with the creative director. So they had a conversation, and so I wasn't party to it, but they had a conversation. And I say I think what happened, and uh, and subsequently talking to Ryan, I said, you know, in any creative process, right? So if you're anything, could be a program, you know, could be a musical, whatever it is, video, making a video, whatever, music video. You throw out all sorts of crazy ideas at the start. You know what I mean? Like that's just part of the creative process. You throw out everything conceivable type of thing onto the table so you can dismiss them. And I suspect strongly that that's what it was. It was something that was just thrown out at the very, very start of a creative process and is there to be dismissed. You know, that's what happens. And anybody who's involved in a creative process, you know what you do is you throw all the crazy ideas out and then somewhere among them, there's a germ of something that you might go, hang on a second, that's a really good idea. You know, Mm. so we're going to get five people at the end of leashes and put them in a crate. So that's that's the way the creative process works. So it wasn't as if anybody seriously suggested that we're going to get a big cake and Ryan, we're going to force Ryan to emerge from this cake on stage. And he knows that. And I think he was, you know, being, um, you know, I think he was just saying that for 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 effect as opposed to it wasn't something uh, that he genuinely believes we were trying to make him do or anybody was trying to make him do. Yeah. He also said that in his opinion that we need to have Irish songwriting camps with the attention of, of getting a brilliant song. There was an Irish songwriting camp floating around last year. Yeah. Which we never year, really heard tell of. the Valley or something along the yeah. lines. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and I went down and I spoke to those people down there in, in Wicklow. Um, this year, they were they did it again this year. I just didn't have time to go down and talk to them. Uh, yeah, it's run by a guy called Ben Pine. And, um, you know, hats off to him. He's doing uh, a great job getting people from all over, you know, Europe, I think, at this stage to... Uh, to attend this um, week-long session down there. And um, it's an intensive songwriting thing and they come up with songs and the songs that they entered um, went into the process last year. Um, And I think this year they're widening their net. I think they're going to enter a lot more Eurosong or, you know, Eurovision processes around, uh, around Europe. Um, Yeah, those, those songwriting camps, I know Ryan O'Shaughnessy was talking about running one. Um, yeah, they're all, I mean, I, I would encourage those. I think they're great. I think, you know, a lot of decent songs have come from them in other countries. Mm. And it's something that can only help the 
you know the sort of the quality of entry that we get every year. So um, good luck to them. I can't. I don't have. I don't have a budget to give them money. Mm. I don't have the time to organise them myself. And even if I did, I'm not sure I would want to organise them myself because then am I tied into taking a song that has come from a very small group of people when really we should be listening to a wider range of um, of music. That would be my view. But I'm happy to listen to any song that comes from a camp wherever in this country or even songwriting camps that involve people in, you know, the Netherlands or wherever they do these things. You know, I'm, you know, I don't think we should just kind of tie ourselves into endorsing one particular camp, you know. Love what you hear? Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you don't miss any of our future episodes. And just a note of curiosity for me, just as, you know, you're someone who has an insight to our submissions and we hear about it a lot that there's these songs in Europe entered into Denmark, Germany, Switzerland, just chucked around the place. Do some of the songs we receive just come in year after year? Are you thinking, I heard this six years ago, this song? Uh, again. Yeah, I had a quick look through some of the entries um, today and I saw... Yeah, I so saw people enter the same songs every year, oh, every year. And, not and, the hint. <laughs> and also, despite the fact that I say to them, you know, I, I try and limit them to one song per composer, they still send me 12 songs that they've written. <laughs> and you said it to us last year, you had the likes of Ari- Ariana Grande songs being submitted as well and <laughs> Oasis. Oasis and <laughs> I, I, I had another song this year as well. Somebody sent me, I can't remember what it was now. I have it on my lap. Anyway, but uh, yeah, somebody else sent me some, some other well-known song. Original content, please. Thank you very much. (laughs) Well, that's important. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not released until September and all of those rules. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Eurovision 2024 now, submissions, of course, are open, like we said, or extended. And by the time you're listening to this, it'll probably be closed. But Michael, you did say that you're flexible if the song's good and the artist is good to to um, get them. Um, yeah, I'm what? not rigorous about this. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously I am about the rules and stuff, but like, but in terms of songs and stuff, yeah, I, like it's not a, a hard and fast deadline, but I have to have a deadline because I have to stop it somewhere, you mm. know. What's, I, I know you were saying that you probably won't be thinking about this until, you know, later in the year or even early next year, but what's the kind of vague plan for 2024? Um, you mentioned earlier National Final is on the cards. Late Late Show again or something Look, different? Um, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who knows? The Late Late Show has taken a, a kind of a twist in the last six months as well. It's not mm-hmm. the same show maybe that it was before. Different presenter, different interests. Um, so, look, it's, I think the dream of having a standalone national final is probably parked for the moment because of everything that's happened. Um so I think if we're going to have a national final, I think it will it will be on the Late Late Show. You know, I hate to break it to you, but it will be on the Late Late Show. Um, but at the same time, <clears throat> all I'll say to you is the Late Late Show is only a block of airtime. Do you know what I mean? It's a block of airtime presented by somebody. Um, and, uh, you know, as is the Melody Festival, as is the Melody Grand Prix, as is blah, blah, blah. It is... In a smaller studio, absolutely, because that's just what we've got. You know, unfortunately, I wish it was bigger. I wish we could make it bigger. I wish we could put more money into it. But that's what we've got to work with. So, you know, we just have to look at ways of making it, you know, the best possible show we can and making it look. I have ideas about making it look different this year. I don't know if, if can you everybody will go on. Go on with that me. a bit more? Not really, because it, <laughs> it was only something that occurred to me the other day as I was um 
thinking about something else. In what sense? In terms of branding or in terms of the set, where it's set? Like, is there, is there a potential <laughs> of moving it outside of the studios, but with within the late, late brand, so to say? Well, at the moment, it's unlikely that we're going to get a budget because once you move it outside of RT, the cost, cost goes through the roof, course, right? Yeah. So it's unlikely that it will be outside RT. It'll probably be, it'll have to be in Studio 4 because that's the biggest studio we have. Um, but at the same time, do we need people sitting in bleachers? Can we look at some other way of doing it um, whereby you might make it look more like uh, an event where you might make it look more like a gig as mm-hmm. opposed to a television studio, if you know what I mean. Okay. Yeah. But these are just off the top of my head yeah. thoughts. I haven't spoken to a designer. I haven't spoken to anybody in the Late Late Show about it. They may tell me no. And, you know, that's their show. So what can I this do? certainly feels like there's going to be something different with, like yeah. you said, the rebrand within the Late Late. New presenter, Patrick Hilty. Um, shorter time as well. It's not as long well, of, I mean, of that's a show it, anymore. It can either, be flexible, so. you know. I mean, it, it, um, it, it'll, you know, it'll, it'll have to be a longer show because... Mm-hmm. Um, it just takes more time when we do a uh, Euro song than they currently allocate to the Late Late Show. But um, but yeah, I think Patrick will bring something different to it. And, uh, you know, look, we'll see what we can do. There's, you know, we'll, any ideas, write them on a piece of paper, <laughs> send them to me. I'll certainly look I at them. I prefer it this year, yeah. you know. Well, we said we said it. on the podcast we felt that there was a major improvement from, from really last good. year. Whoever did the, the postcards, we loved those. Yeah. You know, yeah, there was improvements. Well, there was a guy called Emmett who did the postcards and we'll get him uh, he back. Did, he was great. <laughs> he, he did a great job actually in fairness to him. And um the graphics, I'm not sure who did the graphics, but uh Connolly's just looked stunning, I thought. This year felt set. as if each performance matched the song, whereas it yeah. wasn't these shutterstock backgrounds that you know, each graphic felt that it was made to fit for the song and the artist, which I think really stood testament. You said Lou, like Connolly's performance was probably your favourite. Euro song performance that was my it was favorite. just beautifully yeah, shot and everything like really that good. Yeah. you know yeah. those little things can go yeah. so far yeah yeah yeah. well and a lot of those are driven by the artists themselves as well you know because they have ideas about how they want to present themselves you know K Money and ND said they come up with look we want to be they were wearing, great. Wearing, they were great. Yeah. we want to start off wearing raincoats and have umbrellas and stuff like this you know so we said great you know and if we're going to do that we might look at doing something in silhouette with you and then you know they wanted to throw off the, the, the coats and stuff and uh, and that all worked very well, you know, and um, they're an act to watch in the future as well. Oh, I definitely. hope they would enter again at some point. Absolutely. In terms of song submissions then, um, how many have we received so far? Well, as of Any big today, names you can throw out there? Um, <laughs> Any no. little exclusive? Well, well some I'd, acts have been very open. Erica Cody, of course, is one that we, we've heard a lot about. She's been very open about wanting to take part and um, yeah, she's certainly a very interesting act, yeah. Crucon is another one we've seen in the mix. Crucon, they were very vocal about um, taking part last year. They didn't quite make the Eurosong final. Um, They'd been an interesting act, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Lyra said on an Instagram Live that she was interested in writing the song, so... Look forward to Lyra's submission in due course. (laughs) (laughs) You're giving nothing away, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it would be unfair, to be honest, to start um, naming people. Yes, of course. You know, I don't know, like they enter some of them and you know they might enter in sort of confidence um, mm. and, uh, and and if they get to the final fantastic but if they don't they mightn't like you know Any fast tracked entries this time around is that system returning or are we going to see there the might back be. in there? Oh. There might be We need to insert like a dun, dun, Yeah dun dun dun, dun <laughs> music here Well I wouldn't rule anything out put it that way you know 
So um, are they living in Ireland or are they in Los Angeles or anything like that? Or I well, I can. This is an exclusive. I haven't been talking to anybody in Los Angeles lately. Okay. Right? Okay. So there you go. <laughs> Johnny you, Lydon is not coming back. <laughs> have Have you had many of those one on one conversations? Sort of the the salesman. Would you come to your event? Have you had a chance to uh, have many of those? Dragon yeah, I have. yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, yeah. But at the same time, I don't want people to think I am now nominating them as our yeah. entrance. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's probably kinda, hard to get them over the line then, in a way. Well, I, I'm going to them and saying, "Look, we're going to have a competition. Would you like to take part?" And some yeah. of them go, "Well, maybe." But if you're going to just nominate me, you know, to take part or select me internally that you know absolutely but they might be a little more reticent about the competitive element of the Eurosong but now I can point out and say listen John Lydon took part you know Public Image took part Wild Youth took part um, you know loads of people Nicky Byrne took part you know as a songwriter Danny Danny from the Coronas took part as a songwriter so you know and it didn't destroy Nicky Byrne's career and you know it doesn't seem to have hampered John Lydon in his you know uh career either so that all helps me I think Would you ever consider if you just got the most amazing song saying I'm scrapping the national final would you ever consider that and go internally Um, I think that well I think we're probably too far down well no are we too far down the process now to suddenly go to say this is the song I mean Slovenia did it last year with Joker right they had intended to do a selection and then when they got them they actually went with it so I wonder, yeah. I wonder what would we ever get the song that would mm. allow us to what, do that. I what act would you say we should put in? If an act, if you could pick any act. We're getting asked the questions. Any act. Which, yeah. Well, Lyra is the common answer for yeah, a lot of Yeah, but I, I think fans. even like someone like, I'm not too sure if you heard of like Lucy Blue. She's not the U2 level, but she's kind of a few steps below, but she's still killing it on streaming sites. She's still doing fantastic things online. Approaching those sort of artists, I think, would be I love beneficial. Inhaler as well. They're really different. Yeah. The Scratch, a lot of those acts. Yeah, I mean, I think, in, see, some of those people are in those acts are in a different place. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like, so Inhaler are in a different place to Eurovision. Like, that's not, it's not even on there. We're, we're not even on the same plane, if you know what I mean. Mm. They're, they're, following this kind of rock um, trajectory which is doesn't include obviously the our universe in Eurovision so I, I don't think they would do it in fact I'm pretty sure they wouldn't um, you know but there are other people like you know you mentioned people online like they're like that's a very important place now I think for yeah. for um, artists much more so than television or even radio is the is TikTok and you know Instagram to a lesser extent I suppose and Facebook is pretty much over I would think mm-hmm. but um, yeah Keen D. Crow TikTok that's what I'm thinking yeah. Like, yeah. the likes Rally, that he was discovering TikTok then, and yeah. all them Ali yeah. Sherlock are people like these you know who are who are Sykes Gailey as well is she yeah. old enough now Ali Sherlock She'd be she is yeah. Still, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm, interesting you might see her on a New Year's Eve programme soon oh, oh okay there we go <laughs> but exactly it's like the, the social media thing is, is huge now mm. and Approaching those not discovered acts, but on the verge of being discovered and trying to entice them. The likes of Connolly, you know, like you said, no one really had heard of Connolly beforehand. And look at her now. She's such a fan base just from competing on Eurosong. Yeah. So like, and this is the other thing I think that um, people don't necessarily, at least the the message is hard to get out, is that, see, I don't believe there's any downside to taking part, to be perfectly honest, because, you know, the people that, excuse me, the people that like you are still going to like you. The people that hate you 
you know, are always going to hate you. It doesn't matter what you do. And, you know, you've only got fans to win. And that's what I always say to anybody thinking of taking part. I said, look, this is, I don't believe there's a downside to it. Even if you don't get past the Eurosong, for someone like Connolly, she was unknown before then. Now she's got a fan base she never had, you know, and that's mm. down to the, her competing in Eurosong. So <clears throat> likewise with Wild Youth, I mean, they haven't stopped touring since they, you know, they they left Liverpool back in May and they've been um, their best mates at Joker 8 and they're going around, you know, Europe and the UK and whatever supporting them. So like it's it's done nothing but good for 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 their brand. Um so I would definitely you know that's my, my that's my elevator pitch to any any artist thinking of taking part. Well, we're looking forward to finding out what the Yeah, what what's in store next year. Um I think to finish things up we kind of have a few quick fire questions from our listeners who submitted on Instagram. Um when are you resigning? When is, when is that <laughs> well, when I'll kick things <laughs> off, I we guess. You get a good insight to your inbox, Michael. We'll say that one. One person, Declan McCartan, said, do you understand why there is criticism and do you think it is fair? Um, do I understand? What, of course I understand. Like 10 years without a qualification. Of course I understand. You know, we won't qualification, whatever. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Of course I understand that. Um, do I think it's fair? Sometimes I think um, they think I'm much more responsible for things that I'm possibly not responsible for. And or that I have no control over, you know, and um, I suppose that part of it, you know, I think is a little unfair. Also, some of the mad conspiracy theories, like I saw somebody online saying that um, that I forced Wild Youth to sing the song We Are One, that they, you know, that I had the song um, myself or whatever and that I I made them sing it. Connor said on our podcast really clearly that like he was... Gung Ho for yeah. that song from that yeah. his producer wanted some other song so blame Connor not Michael if yeah. you're blame but, anyone <laughs> but, but it's mad what people think so anyway yeah. they, so I don't um, tell people how to sing their songs yeah um, understanding the process more in the last years we see wild things yeah, online and we yeah. say where did they get that idea from that's not how it works listen it's a it's, I mean online is a you know is a hotbed of conspiracy yeah. nuts yeah exactly so um, so I take anything I see there with a pinch of salt yeah. um, the criticism is unfair no I think if if like if if, if there's genuine criticism and I, if I you know I absolutely I, and I'll, I'll take it on board and I will try and change it if I can you know I mean I do take the criticism about the Eurosong um, not being to the standard that we would like it. Absolutely. I think that's a wider issue than just me. You, Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and that has, for all the reasons that we've discussed, um, is something I would hope that we could fix in the future. Um, I would have I would have hoped we would have had it fixed by now, but, you know, that's life. And, um, but other stuff, I mean, I don't know, if anybody has any, you know, genuine complaints are you know things that they think I could personally do better or you know that I don't do or you know um you know do I like if I don't like I to be honest I feel that uh, more so than my predecessors as head heads of delegation I do genuinely listen to the fans you know I go out and I talk to you know people I talk to you and I yeah. talk to other people as well and I reply to pretty much every email I get mm-hmm. that somebody sends me um uh, and if I don't, it's only because I've missed it or it's gone into my junk folder or whatever. But I do genuinely try to reply to everybody. So, um, but I, I'm open to suggestions. I'm open to um, heartfelt criticism, not just 
common abuse, which, you know, is also a feature Obviously of not life. Obviously yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know. There's a constructive way, a constructive yeah, yeah, yeah. way of being helpful. It, you know, and, helpful and, 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 and so, I mean, if you were sitting in my seat, right, what would you, what would be the first thing you would do? This is, you know, so if you were head of delegation tomorrow, what would be the first thing you would do? That's a hard thing. To Go know. through all your emails. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I can send you those now. You don't have to edit the delegation. But what would you do? It's a, it's a big question. I'd arrange a meeting or something with with who the higher up execs and say, listen, I meet those people all the time. Your mission, this is the best thing ever. We want to win. Number eight, Sweden are matching us. I've had that meeting. So what's (laughs) next then? Well, I missed that meeting, so I need another one. You want another one? Okay. (laughs) And you think they've changed their views since the previous meeting? (laughs) I I honestly would just go back to finding the song instead of all this kerfuffle about the late, late Euro song. But I, I, is there a better that. way? Well, then let me put it. Is there uh, a better like way of finding... Maybe like an internal national final, so to say, of that you invite people in, like your, the panels you're discussing, invite them in, getting to perform live in front of you because studio can make you sound amazing. Like I, yeah. I'm not a good singer. I could sound like Mariah Carey if I had a few tools on, on, on Audacity <laughs> or whatever. But, you know, make them sing in front of a few hundred people, Eurovision fans, executives, radio producers, all that have them perform and have an internal selection but a competition internally so to say so keep and it off focus, keep it off the late late show yeah just focus on the song instead of I suppose you're never going to make everyone happy no but you know. and it but a, a result little, could go it, it might seem so to much. people it's a little secretive you know we're yeah. having it behind closed doors and no one's you know you're being brought into a but I remember country. talking to people in work I was like did you watch your like a lot of people don't even know how our actors are selected nowadays until they look back or even if they look it up yeah, but then you know, when you think r- about remember, that, remember most people don't really care either. You know, to mm. be honest, it's the it's fans that care how these yeah. things work. You know, but different most things people, work for different countries, I suppose. Yeah, and most and you know because Melody Festival is a bigger show than the Eurovision in Sweden. You know, people don't even care what happens to the song after it wins Melody Festival. Mm. Generally speaking, mm-hmm. that's a bigger event than the Eurovision. More people watch the final of Melody Festival than watch the Eurovision in Sweden. Mm. So um, so a lot of people don't care. A lot of people just only think of the Eurovision when they see Marty Whelan doing a promo for it the week before. And they go, oh, that's on next week. You know, mm. who's our act again? That's what they, you know, that's what mm. their view is. So it it would be helpful if we could change that and if people could be much more invested in the whole journey of, you know, Eurosong to Eurovision and we could get even simple things like radio play people yeah. behind yeah. us. That's even getting yeah. Even getting our own radio stations to play the song. Um, you know, try and get that kind of thing going which is why we need the song because in my lifetime I most remember excitement around Mickey Joe Hart and Jedward because people love the songs so it all goes back to the song and the act right yeah. that is the big thing that we need to get right mm. the song and the act you can have all you can have the best social media campaign in the world but if your song's rubbish mm. it doesn't mean anything we've seen you need, yeah. yeah we have yeah. so you need the song and the act so that's mm. where my primary focus is on what's the best song what's the best act we can possibly get and there are three things in that one is obviously is um, staging second is the ability to sing which is even more important now than yeah. it ever yeah. was um, because you once you know if you can't sing at the top level it's over you know in the first five seconds if people find out you can't sing so um, so there are two things I've forgotten what the third thing was anyway <laughs> 
Well, we've picked your brains yeah. so much jumpsuit. for one day. <laughs> oh, no, don't mention the gold jumpsuit. No. <laughs> um, does it give you hope, though, when you look at the ratings? You know, most watched grand finals since 2018. Eurosong ratings uh, were up as uh, well. The Eurosong, yeah, I mean... Uh, well, it, there is interest it, in Ireland. Absolutely. You know. I think it's got a resurgence since... Um, uh, uh, Duncan Lawrence probably yeah, started yeah. it and then Maniskin yeah, certainly took it to yeah. a next level and that became like that crossed over because people went they heard the song and they didn't realise it was the song that won Eurovision you know so even the likes of Rosalind who then didn't win yeah, went really Rosalind is exactly yeah. and, and if you ask if you stop you know 100 people in the street 99 was, won't know where that was in, a, mm. in the Eurovision they'll yeah. just think that was the TikTok song so um, so it does give me yeah it does give me hope and I also think look I mean despite the statistics I think we're just one you know song and an act away from hosting a final here at some point Ooh. hosting a final wow, wow. not even a qualification because straight these to the... things come out of the blue do you know what I mean this could mm-hmm. be the year you know this we never know and I haven't listened to that's the, the next thing that stresses me how would Dublin host it <laughs> look to me you say no Dublin you'll, you'll, be, you'll annoy some fans uh. there by saying Dublin <laughs> I tell you one thing, it would be a challenge to yeah. host the Eurovision. The arena would be a big issue, I imagine. It would be yeah. a yeah. huge challenge to try and host the Eurovision here. Challenge um, you like, though, I say. As well, an it would be producer, if I you know. if I could do one thing before I, you know, shuffle off this mortal coil. I hope to give an even bigger financial headache to RT <laughs> than, than they currently have. You know? She'll probably break even somewhere. She'll yeah. Yeah. Between all Doesn't the... break even. That's no. a big problem. No, I mean, I I, I was I, I was at this. Um, uh, had a delegation meeting recently in Berlin and one of the issues was about the financing, the financial stability of the competition and the the licence fee that individual countries pay towards it, which is, you know, a substantial part of About a third of my budget is the fee that goes to the... And ours has increased. It's 20% up from 2019, I believe, as well. So it's, yeah, it's an increase in, in it, fees. It, inflation has, you know, has top diminished that, yeah. that completely, right? But... A third of the budget goes to the EBU just to host the thing, right? So that's straight out off the top of your budget. Um, and the EBU are saying, we're coming back and we're going to take more. We're going to ask you for more, by the way, in the future because it isn't financially um, sustainable at the moment. So these are the things that, you know, that I also have to consider in the real world of Eurovision, you know. God. Uh. <laughs> so many puzzle pieces to try and juggle together and there's a lot going on in it. There's more mm. than people think, you know, and um, yeah. because it only happens once a year, nobody really thinks about it until it happens, you yeah. know, that week or the week after. Apart or from the likes of ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> every Apart day. from the likes of ourselves, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a nice question to end things would be is, um, if you could get one act to take part and represent Ireland, who would it be? Who would be at the top of your list? Um, I, I, do you know what? I don't know if there's one act because I think lots of acts could represent us really well mm. I think it's the song the song like we need we need a killer song and um, you know where that comes from I, I've no idea will I know it when I hear it I don't know actually to be honest you know because sometimes songs just come out of nowhere and even in Eurovision songs come out of nowhere and you think how did this how is this now the favourite mm. when this wasn't you know Um so if there's one act that could represent us, I don't know. Don't know. Who would you think? Who would you like? I th- I, I don't think they'd ever do, but it would be iconic if you two ever went. Like but would they do that well? Because... Obviously it depends re- on the song. Remember, the, the profile of the audience is quite young. So 
here's four men in their 60s coming out singing a song you know a U2 song do you think that's gonna do you think they'd qualify if it's the right U2 song do you think? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, has to. Like, oh, some classics. And obviously, the Cranberries are no more, but the likes of Zombie having a moment with the Rugby World Cup and everything. Mm-hmm. Something but, really haunting. I'd love a song like that. Yeah, but I'd God, like, I, I mean, them. let's, where's where's the next Cranberries? Do you know what I mean? I, I know, you know, yeah, that's yeah. what we're looking for here. We're not looking for the people that have all, we're not looking for yeah. people that have already conquered the world. Yeah, it's more teams mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, I suppose. Yeah. Like, opposed yeah. to one act. But those, those performers... Um, you know they're out there but they're few and far between mm-hmm. you know they are not as you know everyone says oh it's a wonderful country and everybody Needle can perform haystack, and yeah. everybody's you know we've got such great tradition of music and all the rest of it that's true but the amount of people that can actually perform on a stage that size is very small mm. well until next year <laughs> 2024 uh, Michael thank you very very much for joining us again quite alright yeah anytime your time really no and listen I'd say I do appreciate the fans and I do listen to suggestions and I do you know reasonable suggestions um, except the one about resigning because uh, <laughs> I will when the time is right but not at the moment fair enough fair enough well thank you so much for your time really appreciate it and I'm sure we'll be chatting again and take care good luck with all thanks very much well there you have it our interview with Michael Keeley breathe (laughs) (laughs) inhale exhale Um, firstly before we discuss everything thank you so much again to Michael for joining us on the podcast once again he's very open always to communicating with us and interacting with fans uh, via whatever means once it's fair and constructive helpful um, and helpful to the situation so again thank you so much to michael for joining us in dublin city center for that and of course again to everyone at the podcast studios for accommodating us once again lou what did you think of that it's a lot to take in it was um, intense this time around. it was it was well you know it's always interesting to chat to michael and it's always um, great to have the opportunity to speak with him so as you mentioned we're really appreciative of that um, I did find it like I- I- intense you know we were really kind of picking apart things uh, we were really querying I suppose questions that we had but also that a lot of our followers and listeners had to conclude Connor I'm just curious and I know a lot of the listeners probably have their own thoughts and opinions what would be your ideal outcome for what we do from January 2024 what would you like to see Ireland doing for me I think this whole faffing about with the national final is is a waste of time particularly if he like you said if he's only looking at it from January like that is not an adequate amount of time to plan for a national final if you are planning for the first week of February Mm -hmm. and even then really March like that is not enough time at all to give artists time for preparation everything like that so I would go internal and just select the best song that we have. Um, I've always said that. Yeah. Uh, I've always said the faffing around in January. Especially if you're looking at the songs and you're thinking, oh, you know, nothing really stands out. If if you're if you're listening to the, the, all the submissions and, and that's how he is feeling, then go with the best one that you have. Um, you know, just choose the artist, focus on that one act. For the months you have, you know, it's a lot easier to communicate with one act directly from, you know, let's say December or November, December, rather than trying to get six acts, you know, ready for performances, blah, 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 all that. Like that is just so much stress. 
in such a short amount of time. It's not worth it at all. Yeah, for so, all the reasons you just mentioned, I've always said internal selection. Mm-hmm. I don't like the fat thing in January. I've always said that. And I remain true to that. And I think just try and, try and choose the best package, really. That's yeah. all there is to it. But yeah, there's obviously always going to be a variety of opinions on that. And then also, you know, each year there's, there's different variables and, and things to consider. But yeah, interesting to suggest that together, Connor, and just see where see where our heads are at, I guess. Um enjoyable episode mm-hmm. informative episode uh hopefully there'll be more conversations to come around the irish delegation we do have something really interesting coming your way hopefully in a few weeks so do keep your eyes <laughs> we'll let you breathe for a few weeks <laughs> for that because that is going to be quite interesting too yeah i think and yeah once again thank you to mike feely for giving us his time and his efforts, as always, very appreciated. He did make a point of saying to us both during and after the recording also that he's very open to suggestions from all uh, Eurovision fans, Irish Eurovision fans. Um, granted, it's constructive and helpful and so on. Yeah. So uh, do keep that in mind if you uh, have any good ideas up your sleeve or any thoughts. And interesting, actually, one other small thing. I know we could st- we could discuss this all day really interesting he made the point that he would hold out if the right song came in slightly after the deadline yeah yeah mm. yeah uh, th- that's a positive way of looking at it in a way well i think he's right i mean like don't like shoot yourself in the foot like if yeah. d- an amazing song comes in a couple of weeks later like but he also did say that he's probably not going to start listening to the songs or have the time really until december mm. and it's like jesus like that is just not I'm sure he not has a, a team helping him on that. I'm sure he does, but, you know, still, it's it's not great either, you know. Like, when you, like, you know, he says there's teams across Europe that have people working on this all year. Just yeah. like, Orti, you need to give him help. What he's working with, yeah. An extra yeah, person, you know, to help, you know, a head delegation role, you know, split it in half. Good Between a rock and a higher place, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't know. But like you said, we could talk about this for days and days mm. and days. But um, Take a breather, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you breathe. Take a moment. We want to hear from you, though. We want to know what you guys yeah. thought of that. What are your opinions on what you've just listened to? Any suggestions, like we were saying? Let us know what you think. And on the next episode, we'll, we'll discuss um, your thoughts and let other viewers in um, on your thoughts as well. So do get them into us. There are so many ways to contact us if you would like. We love a good email. You can email us, airvisionpodcast at gmail.com. We're on all the social media sites, Instagram at airvisionpodcast. On Twitter, we are at airvisionpod. And also on TikTok, our TikTok is kicking it off at the moment. Alex Loads of videos. And Thank you to woo, Alex woo, and Michal. They are killing it. Give us a follow at Airvision Podcast on that as well. And of course, if you like what you heard today, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify by hitting the little star button. It would really, really help us and help other Eurovision fans to find us if they have not already. And do subscribe so you don't miss another episode. Like we said, we have a big one coming up again in a few weeks' time. And I'm sure more will be coming over the Eurovision season. Whew! But <laughs> from myself and Lou, I guess all we got to say is Song of Meet me in Paris on the shores of